so uh what's going on nothing a lot of free time mostly it's a little weird to have so much free time because the thing is usually you get like these kinds of free times uh during vacations which is like after exams but this is like before exams so it's a little weird but um, also you know you know something uh, quite big uh, that happened just yesterday um we got the news that we don't have final exams like we don't have final written exams okay they have been cancelled not postponed cancelled and uh, so our internal marks our internal assessment that has happened like all of our assessment uh, our assignments and projects and those kinds of things they will be prorated so they will be uh, extrapolated from um, from 60% of our um, marks to 100% of our marks and we'll be given credit based on that how do you feel about it is that is that a good thing or a bad thing because i i don't know for some people i think they might prefer this uh, we don't have final exams um and we're just doing a lot of these assignments uh, which are not too bad but now it's just that we have uh we have them like uh, scheduled in such a way that we have like one assignment per day almost starting tomorrow so it's like one assignment tomorrow and then another one and then another one is just going to go on like that and uh, i was really hoping that i would have some time at home for free so in that time i could uh, do some other work like editing this podcast maybe shooting some more videos for youtube and things like that but um yeah things don't really work out ever do they uh, i mentioned the good part of uh, our exams getting cancelled the bad part is that uh, so technically that means our semester is over so like we were never going to have like a farewell ceremony we're not going to have like a screening of all our films we're not going to have uh, you know we're not going to have like a final uh, so there's there's like no sense of closure like that's the biggest problem because it's like uh, we we came like on the last day of college i just uh, left college halfway through and i was like okay i'm getting bored i'm going to go home uh, so i did that so after that we just found out that evening that we we were getting like a 15 day break and then we find out that we're not coming back to college for our exams or anything so it feels like uh, you know that that final closure that final destination it's like oh it's like okay that's happened okay cool and it's it's very weird because the thing is ki i was expect i had a i had really high hopes for my uh, like farewell thing like uh, we're, we were going to have like farewell outfits and we were going to have like a proper party and i was going to participate this time properly <laughs> and uh, all of that but uh, that that sort of uh, was no, not meant to be and uh, you know there's like this poem from um, ts eliot i think which is which comes to my mind and it's been uh, there in my head for the last few uh, weeks but uh, yesterday it just fit into a different context uh, i'm sure you've heard of this um, you know this is the way the world ends this is the way the world ends not with a bang but with a whimper uh, <laughs> yes so, <yeah. laughs> it does sound a little dull and considering like this is the end of your undergraduate studies and it's exactly exactly it's, it's a it's a marker it's it's a checkpoint exactly and the checkpoint is so weird because like you would expect like on the graduation like if you remember from our 10th standard graduation as well 
um how everyone gets like really emotional you're like uh, you know hugging everyone you're crying you're laughing you're taking pictures you're like signing shirts and what not <laughs> all that kind of crazy stuff and all of this is not happening now everything was just through like whatsapp everyone was just crying yesterday and uh, everyone's putting up like instagram stories of like the group photos and things like that and it feels very weird it feels very um, you know um Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't feel real. It feels almost like a joke, uh, like a like as if like the entire batch was conspiring and you know trying to make it seem like uh, we have we're we're graduating. So it feels very weird. It feels unreal, not in a good way. I can imagine like if this had happened last year, mm-hmm. then I I mean it. You need to have that punch. You need. to end with a bang exactly in in some fashion you need to have some party you need to have something that's like something that says this is the end yeah exactly like a, like an almost and, like and, a formal occasion uh like like there has to be that kind of, kind of final thing where everyone is in like a suit and tie and like whatever sarees and things and you come together and you you know that this is your last like college ka day and then you move on because i am not going to do a masters after this so it's like this was the end of the college experience and it ended in a very weird way like these entire 3 years have been quite weird like lots of big things have happened in college and uh, most of them not particularly good uh, but the smaller things were really good and it's like it's eventful to say the least but um, yeah it, it, it just feels very weird it feels incomplete almost that experience feels incomplete yeah i I can understand, and that's that sounds kind of sad, and I I guess it's it's sad because you don't get the opportunity to be sad. You don't get the you get you don't get the chance to be wistful and reminiscent of your years in college. Instead, everyone's sitting at home just texting like it's a regular day. Yeah. Except the only thing is that maybe you're texting slightly sadder stuff, mm. more memorable stuff, but. Yeah, that sounds kind of that sounds lame it, to it, to have like an ending. Yeah. To where I I hope that you guys get to have like your big farewell party or something. But to be honest with you, it's like I think the one from 10th standard was one of the craziest like send-off or farewells mm-hmm. that I have been to so far. Mm-hmm. partly because i think it was it was just the right amount of like uh like the right amount of nostalgia and the also mm, the sentiment was i don't know it was just right yeah exactly the, the number of people and the the closeness you had with everyone in general like the average level of people that you knew yeah i mean for example when it comes to when i came to last year at the college level i didn't really know everyone even in my like in my department in mechanical 2019 batch i didn't know everyone yeah and to be very honest i did not want to hang out with everyone because since i didn't know them saying goodbye didn't make a difference correct but i it still you need it it 
it brings you to a sense of catharsis maybe yeah. i don't know yeah 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 that's that's a very good word to use and especially because i remember our 10th standard thing was uh, like there was a sense of activity there's a, there was a sense of uh, like um, you know finality to everything like i remember we had like we played games in the big hall and then we went out and we had like a bonfire and that was so like nice it was like a just a memorable night uh, in and of itself and the fact that that was like our graduation thing was i mean it's a nice way to remember that time and uh, you know the thing is i wanted that with this batch because the thing is um, in uh, in my 12th 11th and 12th uh, college it was not like a very big thing like i was not very involved with a lot of people so it was not very uh, it was not a big deal in some sense but and it was also a lot more people but uh, here like in this college again we have like around 140 150 students in our batch and uh, which is very similar to i think the 130 or so people we had in our batch in uh, school so uh, it's like the right amount of people and also like these people like so many of them are like so close and so good like such good friends of mine that it feels like you know the you needed that thing and you know the way i am like i i i'm not very expressive and i don't uh, like interact and i don't participate a lot in uh, other batch things like uh, whatever dance events and programs and festivals and those kinds of things but uh, this was the one thing that i was really excited for and it feels like you know there's a big dent in that um, plan but uh, yeah also and the thing is uh, you remember that other project that i told you about uh, that i was doing project postcard so i so i had uh, like so many of them written like written down and i was like okay this time there's another month that i can give it to people uh, like one every day to every day or something like that and now there's like just no time and it's 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 it feels very weird and the thing is if i were to actually post them like postcards are supposed to be uh wouldn't uh, like i don't even have everyone's addresses like uh, home address so it would be quite weird <laughs> to send out those postcards and a little difficult too but i'll find a way considering the fact that like well it's a postcard yeah. so hey you're fulfilling the purpose but mm-hmm. also the fact that we don't really know when people are going to start coming back yeah since we don't know how things are going to progress mm-hmm. so in that case i think avoiding physical contact with people <laughs> is is a generally smart measure to take true i agree completely I hope you guys get some kind of party or some kind of get together mm-hmm. a few months down the road, if not right now. Yeah. Because, but at least I'm happy that you don't have the final exams because, hey, final exams are bad in general most of the times. And mm-hmm. honestly, I have felt so many times going into my end semester exams that I wish they would get cancelled for some reason or the other. Like I, I just wanted. any weird reason for cancellation of exams and it never happened yeah of course it didn't happen for high school it didn't happen for je or whatever it didn't happen in college as well but i guess some people are getting to experience that i mean okay like that's kind of nice but i mean the cost 
of having exams cancelled mm-hmm. on a global level i don't think is worth it yeah this this uh, thing has ruined a lot of uh, plans a very low benchmark mm-hmm. uh, my exams which were next week have been postponed by one week okay and i think they are going to turn into um, one was already going to be an online exam it was like you had a couple of days and you it was kind of like an open book test you had to submit mm-hmm. the answer at the end online yeah but the other exam was a written pen and paper exam but now i think they will also convert that online for mm-hmm. obvious reasons so yeah i mean for me i i have one week of like buffer mm-hmm. which is nice but again it's like it's not a very big ripple in the pond overall life here goes on as usual hmm. because more or less i mean I, i feel like now now that i listen to stories of people like in quarantine or talking to people who are in areas where they've been asked to stay at home or stuff like that i kind of start to realize that what we're doing here or in general living in this town is itself kind of like that yeah so i find myself a little bit unsurprised mm-hmm. like the things that people describe is like oh no things are closing at 6 in the evening and the shops don't stay open so long and mm-hmm. you know you don't see people on the roads in the streets it's like well yeah that's just a general day for me here so yeah closing early in the evening is a pune thing as well so well I, some things but other things <laughs> we're also we're also closed during uh, lunch time so of course you have to be closed during lunch time of course if you're not closed from 1 to 4 and you don't take a nap during that time why are you even maybe living in pune exactly <laughs> that's completely logical you know i started out uh, like when i was setting up my mic and everything i was thinking uh, of asking you if we should uh, talk about it or not um, but then like it seems that we've like just dug into the meat of it so well i i i don't think we've dug into it yet and i would prefer to just kind of beat around the bush and then walk away instead of yeah. diving straight down the rabbit hole yeah we can, we can choose to distract ourselves and the one other listener that we have oh speaking of listener we do have a few listeners plural oh so i i got some feedback and some of that has some of that was nice it, it was nice to get that mm-hmm. so if you if you do listen to this episode please do let us know because it's really nice to like find out that there is more than one person or more than two people who are listening to us <laughs> but yeah a constructive feedback which was offered to me was that perhaps we should do video okay. podcast uh-huh. along with the audio okay because we so so the expectation was that since we uploaded to youtube mm-hmm. youtube is a video no format website yeah. and the the person who offered me the feedback was saying that he was expecting something to happen on the screen mm. which doesn't really happen you know what right. we should do we should just have like a, a hidden easter egg somewhere in the middle of it like maybe just a couple of frames and that would be like if yes. someone catches that maybe they get like a they get a new car or something like that 
uh but yeah we we can we can figure things out the the feedback that i got from the one listener that we have from like my end is um, uh that we we should uh skip youtube completely and we should try to get an rss thing and uh, get on the proper podcast apps because what she has been doing is she's been asking me to send her the audio files so i'm just sending her the audio files yeah. and she's listening to that so uh we're not even getting that counted as a youtube view Uh, <laughs> so I think we need to buckle up and uh, get started on um, our like proper RSS feed and making it a proper podcast so that it's available everywhere and uh, like because I it seems that uh, this is going to be the only thing that I'm going to have that can possibly make money <laughs> for the foreseeable future so might as well invest in it before we go further Can you explain just a little bit what RSS is? Because I feel like that might be a word that most people, or I, I don't know, most of the five people that listen to us don't know. Okay, so um, RSS is basically uh, the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh, and it was started by K B Hedgewar. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the wrong RSS. Wrong <laughs> rabbit hole. Wrong rabbit. <laughs> wrong hole. rabbit hole. Abort. Abort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abort. Abort, abort, abort. Um, so yeah, RSS is basically called a really simple syndication, and it's a format of some sorts that was um, sort of made for the internet. So the way it works is that um, websites have a RSS uh, link. So when you have like a proper website, you have an RSS link, and if there's a subscriber, uh, the way you would subscribe to a YouTube channel or the way you would uh, follow someone on Twitter, you can um, subscribe to that RSS thing, and you would have an RSS feed. So it would be like a newspaper where uh, all of the websites that you have uh, subscribed to, like the the where wherever you've subscribed to their RSS. Um, links for those websites they would come in your one feed so you would have an rss feed and uh, nobody nobody really uses that feed anymore uh, for like regular purposes but uh, that's still the way they use um, to make podcasts work so all the podcast webs uh, podcast apps like your itunes and uh, castbox and i don't know overcast and all of the other ones uh, google podcasts another one so all of them basically use a, a version of rss to get all of those podcasts um, into one single feed which is their app and then people can subscribe on that so it's like a um, a more convenient way to get your podcast from people so yeah it's a little weird and uh, it, it's you know i think it's like that thing of um, like bodging together things like you find one application for something and then you try to uh, you know finagle it into another application and then you move it into another application and somehow it works for you though it might be a little tedious uh but uh, now because of the way apps work it's gotten much easier so yeah and uh, the the only thing standing between us is uh, that to get the rss feature on our website so for our podcast we would need to have like a proper domain name and a proper website which costs money which we don't have uh, anyway <laughs> and uh, for monetization on youtube as well we need like a thousand subscribers and like 4000 watch time watch uh, hours of watch time which um, is a little difficult 
but uh, so the best thing you can do as a listener all five of you i'm talking to you right now uh, if you can share our podcast with your friends and uh, family and anyone you think might be interested um, just let us know and also please write to us or uh, email us or just talk to us um, let us know what you think of um, our podcast if how we can make it better and um, you know try to basically so that we can get more listeners and once we do we can probably make it more convenient for the five of you as well uh, i promise you this is completely unscripted <laughs> this is just me begging for money so that we can continue to do this podcast in a way that can benefit you guys as well so i have a little bit of follow up from the last time uh-huh. uh one of the main things is that um i found the uh, i found the setting that changes the netflix subtitles so when i was complaining about the subtitles being very blocky and hmm. really clunky and really i don't know just not nice to the eye uh-huh. i i think almost the very next day i was just wondering to myself and i checked the settings and you can change it and they have like a lot of nice fonts so like you don't have to stick with the bulky blocky weird subtitles you can actually convert it to a really nice pleasing format which you like uh-huh. so that is something i discovered a little late but i just want to put it out there because if there's someone like me and if they are still wondering and if they are still unhappy with netflix auto subtitles i guess um then there is a solution i have something to say about subtitles as well um so as you know i am uh, i'm doing like the post production for my film my short film it which will be uh, out on platform soon i'm guessing um anyway like it's in the final bits so uh, we we've done editing or we're doing sound and doing all of that so the the movie is in marathi like partly in marathi and partly in english so i'm actually doing the subtitles for it right now to make sure that uh, english and like non marathi listeners can also watch the movie and enjoy it um so one question that i had was and i didn't i didn't really find any answers online so maybe you could help me out and our listeners can also help us out by letting us know um if if there's a movie which is multilingual so say a movie is in hindi and in english um and you of course have subtitles for the hindi bits so that your non hindi listeners can um you know listen to it and make sense to, of it um in that case do you also subtitle the english words or do you have a separate track for for the english ones because i know a lot of people who watch english movies and they will have subtitles running for them as well even though they do understand english um but so i i wasn't very clear because the way i have seen it on netflix is that when it's like a multilingual thing so for example if there's a a spanish film they will have spanish subtitles but whenever the character is speaking amongst themselves in english so they'll be like hi what's up what are you doing those kinds of things uh, they will not subtitle that at all so i was wondering what i can do for my film to make sure that it's consistent and that it's it looks good any thoughts i mean i am one of those people who has subtitles on most of the time regardless of 
what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Partly because I'm just kind of curious about the way people like write the dialogues. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason is that I usually, or not usually, but I sometimes tend to miss something if I'm paying a little bit less attention. Mm-hmm. So I would prefer to have the subtitles because maybe there's some something that the character was saying that I miss or I would have missed. But if there's like a slight lag and if I'm looking away, I can look back and read the subtitles and pick it up from what they said instead of rewinding six times and then finally turning on the subtitles because I missed it anyway. Right. So, I mean, uh, for me, subtitles are always a good thing. Okay. Recently, I have felt in one or two shows that the subtitles actually kind of diminish the experience uh-huh. because... Uh, they they kind of reveal the joke, so Correct. it's it's a funny, it's it's like a sitcom kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I can read the punchline before it's delivered, and that kind of takes it away from the show because the way it's said and what they say is, is all of it is is part of the joke, mm-hmm. and I feel like I I don't know I don't laugh as much because I've already read the next line which was just below and I couldn't help not reading it so. Right. For that, I have turned off my subtitle. Now, with regards to a multilingual movie, mm-hmm. uh, I think having subtitles for the non-English parts is, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, more or less, right, like, you kind of expect that a lot of people will be able to understand the English parts. And especially, I think, for movies, like, I think you would be... Just no, it, it wouldn't just be for yourself or it wouldn't be for a Marathi or a Hindi speaking audience. I'm guessing you're trying to make something which is accessible to everyone. And yeah. right now, I think English is one of the primary ways that it is accessible to a large percentage of people. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think having subtitles for the Hindi, Hindi speaking parts, yeah, I think that's fair. I am wondering though whether it should also work in reverse where you have like a second track maybe and maybe you turn it on depending on the audience. Like if you know that audience is like a Marathi speaking audience Hmm. or a Hindi speaking audience and you also have the English convert uh, translated into Hindi. Hmm. The only thing is if I was one of the people in the audience, it actually kind of sucks but my speed of reading Marathi or Hindi is not that fast. No, no, no. What I'm saying is the subtitles would be, uh, say, for the, for the Marathi bit, the, the subtitles will be translated, of course. So you'll have subtitles in um, English. Um, so if the if the line was, uh, the subtitles would be, what are you doing? Right? So that's the way it would be. Um, and, uh, though my only issue is that if I have subtitles for the Marathi bit and I have subtitles also for the English bit, um, it, it like, there needs to be some sort of distinction between the two languages, uh, which is, a, which I'm finding a little difficult to just wrap my head around of how it needs to be done. Maybe like different colors, or maybe I can have, uh, one of those in italics, but uh, then it, it would feel like, you know, italics give you an impression of uh, a foreign word or like in, like uh, more pressure on a word or something like that. So I don't want that to happen either. 
so i'm i'm just a little but i think uh, that idea of having maybe two subtitle tracks so it, it it just doubles my work a little bit but i think it makes sense to have one track which is just the translation for the marathi bit and one track uh, subtitle track which is for um, the marathi bit and the english bit and then people can choose which one they want i agree with you that that sounds like a good idea mm-hmm. and i mean as far as i've noticed i think you might have seen this as well in in the parts that i've seen in like where in, in movies or tv shows where it's mostly english with a mix of another language a little bit here and there mm-hmm. um the english bits don't have any subtitles but the non english language uh, parts have translations yeah exactly within the video itself mm-hmm. and then there's an there's like a layer above it of the subtitles that i can choose to toggle on and off Huh. So, if you if you could do something like a layer, something like that, right. Um, But in those cases, I think the the foreign language is usually hard coded into the video, and I am a little bit against that because then if there was someone like me, for example, or like you who understands Marathi and English both, and does not like subtitles, they can just watch the movie without any hard coded things at all. uh which is the way i would prefer it but uh, i i guess it does make sense to have that um as an option as well but uh, i'll i'll need to figure that out i think that's also like a minor issue because that's um like i can just try out different permutations and combinations and see which works and like get a test audience or something like that um and see which one works better but uh, the bigger problem i think for me right now is um i i we've talked about this during our discussions about your name as well the the film the japanese animated film um so like i remember uh, talking to you about um this, the the subtitles on that film like the, the first time i watched the film i had a different subtitle track and the jokes landed a little differently and the translations were a little different and then the second time i um, watched it i had a different subtitle track so it was translated by someone else probably so it was like slightly differently worded um and that i felt was much better than the first time so those kinds of things as well so i think there's a lot of uh, importance in um getting the translation just right because it makes a lot of um, you know uh, it has a big impact to pick the right words and pick the right rhythm of the words as well and uh, my sort of my uh, like big concern and i think i can talk to you about it in detail later like off the record but uh, there are there are some lines which are uh, jokes that's like wordplay in marathi so i like i there's no way to translate that into um into english without losing everything completely or just explaining the joke of like ki okay um like this is the literal translation and in brackets word play or something like that and that i i like that that's just like a terrible decision a terrible choice so i don't know how exactly to translate that but um I, I my know. recommendation would be for at least the the word play and stuff so where you're going into like i would say second order meaning mm-hmm. right um i would say i think you don't have to translate any of it 
Mm. You can just go with the literal translation of the sentence or the line and just continue with the flow because mm. that leaves your flow uninterrupted. At the same right. time, um, those things kind of become, they're, they're valuable to a person who speaks Marathi, for example. Correct. Correct. And like for just from my experience, I've realized like there are some words that maybe a person who's learning the language will learn and then it becomes like a fun, I don't know, fun, enjoyable thing to find out. Like, oh, okay, so that meant that was, there was a joke there where you don't yeah. have to explicitly point your finger at it. Uh-huh. You can just leave it there for those who get it and just pass it by for those who don't. Mm-hmm. And I think there's more, um, there's more fun in having that kind of like a behind the lines kind of a meaning makes sense but there's like a third layer yeah i was gonna say that that unless it is important to the story in some way unless it's like super important i don't know to the character in that case maybe you would have to explain it but then in that uh for that maybe you could entire change the entire translation itself which is a combination of the literal and the the hidden meaning okay so so i'll just i'll just outline the issue here because the thing is the movie is called what's in a name uh, so it, the movie is about uh, like I'm, I'm not gonna spoil anything uh, i'm just gonna give you the log line which is like the movie is about these uh, sixth graders these two kids who come together and form a club because they get bullied because of their name like they get teased on their name so they come together and they they're like uh, trying to sort things out for themselves so um in that case like when these kids are getting teased uh the 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 problem is it was it would have been fine to uh translate the meaning of or the literal meaning of uh words to a different language like the translation would have been fine for a regular word but in this case because it's their name also and names don't translate from language to language so the names don't translate but the the second layer of meaning that is that is being uh, hinted at by the bullies by the people who are teasing them it, it does need to be translated and uh, it, it's this sort of uh, dissonance between that first layer of uh, like untranslatable the name and the second layer which is the translatable but hidden uh, which is the literal meaning of the words and uh, because they don't really match completely it's it's like a very weird uh, kind of unique kind of scenario where i can't even translate the words uh, literally because then it makes no sense because then the word play is lost because the word play was there in the name so it's it's just a very weird problem that i have and not something that i thought of when i was writing the script again i think i mean i think it would be perfectly okay if you don't have any translation but if you do want to go for it maybe you could just describe the emotion hmm. i mean obviously the the whole visual bit is going to explain very clearly that the kids are getting bullied and they're getting teased and what not mm-hmm. and i mean i think the the whole idea of your movie about being about names hmm. is going to make it abundantly clear what's happening right so i don't think that's a problem so hmm. if if it's such a weird position you find yourself in you could just leave it be yeah 
and I think the situation would be quite self-explanatory uh-huh. or you could just explain the emotion that's happening like or what's happening in a very general sense without without going into any translation about anything right I remember having this kind of an issue when I was doing uh, when I was making the crowdfunding video for the movie as well uh, like even there the video was like multilingual so it was very difficult to get the translation just right and I came to a solution which I was okay with but I don't quite remember so I'm just gonna watch it and see what I actually ended up doing uh, so yeah talk amongst yourselves this is the time where I go get some coffee until Prado continues watching my name is Sohamad my name is Sohamad my name is Sohamad my name is Sohamad Sohamad Modi Modak 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 Momi Tomi Somi स्वस्थी बट शी इज बीन कॉल्ड स्वस्थ विच इज विच इज Uh, you know like okay, i'm going to i'm going to stop you right there because okay. i feel like you elaborated the problem before and right now okay, you're uh, demonstrating what happens in real time yeah I, i'm just going <laughs> to you're dealing with the same problem <laughs> just just let me just let just humor me okay so the, the, the uh, she says swastat which is uh, cheap uh, so she is being called cheap and the the captions that i have put are cheaps in like single quotes um and i think that works um i'll put the link of the crowdfunding video in the description as well so uh, <laughs> so you can see for yourself and there's a qr code at the end so you can donate to our film also we're still a little below our budget um so yeah my my main my main point is but believe me i did not plan this out okay uh, so the way i so the way i did it was i just explained the literal meaning of the word that she was teased and put quotes around it and i think that's a that's a decent way to uh, go with it because uh, it it gets the emotion across that it's something uh, you know teasing or like something that's uh, a word play kind of thing and uh, the like when when people are watching it they'll also listen to the words right so when they're being teased so when she says swasthi swastat like that will still sort of uh, get into the audience's head so I think we have a solution most of all. I hope I remember this when I'm putting the subtitles. Since you mentioned um your name earlier. Uh-huh. Uh there's a there's a thing about the translations in that movie that I just realized. So in Marathi we have this tai dada. Yeah. A a thing you call your older siblings. Yeah. So uh in in 
in Japanese they have a similar thing hmm. I mean basically they have a nickname or like a like a family thing like mom dad they have a thing for older brother hmm. older sister and a thing for younger brother or younger sister right and basically uh, in that movie uh, the the lead girl's younger sister talks to her a few times yeah. and those couple of times she actually doesn't use her sister's name she calls her tai every single time effectively yeah, yeah. tai means older sister But, yeah mm. so she calls her tai every time but the translations the the, the subtitles sorry had the name there ha ah, right there's a very clear um, there's a very clear gap because you can hear the person say one thing mm. whereas the subtitles have a name and names you know don't change so you, you don't hear the character saying the name but you see the name and there's there was like a right. bit of a discomfort when i heard it mm. and i couldn't figure it out but later on i realized like I, this is probably on like the second or third rewatch that mm. i had that since this whole movie is all about like discovering things and the way they reveal stuff is very nicely done mm-hmm. and the movie is called your name yeah so the lead two characters names are revealed almost simultaneously i believe i'm not sure mm-hmm. but they are revealed in a very specific way right at a certain time mm-hmm. they're not they don't tell you the names straight off the bat right whereas this is one of the first dialogues and in the subtitles the name was revealed mm-hmm. whereas if you're actually listening to the movie you don't find out that person's name you know it's a main character you know right. it's a lead right right and when i realized it's like well i kind of missed out on that experience uh-huh and i think there was a little bit of a a small aha moment there as well when you find out what the girl's name is because she's been called tai until there's a reveal of her name the word i think they, that she uses is onecha yes hmm. and her name is uh, mitsuha but that, that that is that like a spoiler because that's her name and i uh, matlab that's the name of the movie your your name so uh, i guess technically it is a spoiler like a very small spoiler because a i don't know how many people are going to watch it i i, I really like that movie and i would recommend watching it but but i don't know how many people will watch it and even if you do watch it it's like the name gets revealed quite early on into the movie but i think if you get the right subtitles uh, you know what i just realized about the sub uh, about the subtitles when you mentioned it is that it might also be a cultural thing so in say japanese culture you would call your older sister onecha in uh, say maharashtra you would call your older sister tai or uh, in in uh, like northern india you would call your older sister didi um in in a lot of american culture and i'm guessing a lot of um, like english audience uh, at least when it's written down uh, like for subtitles for example i think they're looking at the american audience and a lot of the european audiences but uh, i think it's a cultural thing where uh, like this is from what i've seen uh, of america um from other movies um that you would call your older brother or your older sister by name 
सो मे बी द सब टाइटल्स वर लुकिंग एट इट इन दैट वे दे वर लाइक ओके ठीक है दिस गुन गो टू एन अमेरिकन ऑडियंस सो यू वुड कॉल योर ओल्डर सिस्टर बाय देर नेम सो प्रोबली सो आई एम गेसिंग दैट्स द द रैशनल बिहाइंड देम सब टाइटलिंग इट इन दैट सेंस सो यू नो लाइक इट डेफिनेटली मेक्स सेंस टू सब टाइटल इट द वे देव डन इट बिकॉज आई कॉन्ट रियली इमेजिन हैविंग like if you had a little literal translation you would have like older sister or like maybe sis but it doesn't really convey the same emotion as tai or didi or onecha i yeah, guess maybe yeah. i'm i'm assuming that tai and onecha are comparable mm-hmm. but they may not be but you, the thing is that the, you're the one use, of us who knows japanese so well uh, yeah but anyway uh I I really don't know the full implication of each word but anyway uh I I can really un- uh, see why where they come from because if you kept saying older sister and I say this while making air quotes mm-hmm. uh, that really doesn't come off as very fluid in terms of the translation uh-huh and it seems very jarring especially if you had to read it and then it's like that's really weird because right. a translation is also supposed to make sense in the translated language correct from both ends correct and i at the end i guess what you have to conserve is the meaning and it's okay if you mess up the words or you if you switch the words around a little bit as long as you're preserving the meaning correct and that makes much more sense to me so i'm i'm quite happy with the translations that they've done or the subtitles that i have they're really nice mm-hmm. nothing against that but these are the kind of things which after a certain point you really can't change if you're translating you really can't do anything about the things that the language inherently possesses correct i correct. mean there are jokes and puns in english which you probably can't translate outside english correct you would have and it doesn't matter what you would do how you would write the subtitles in another language correct you can't explain the joke yeah. it's lost and that's just like the cost of translation so uh, yeah so you might say that some things do get lost in translation <laughs> i was really trying not to say that but okay why not yes, you might <laughs> yeah but i think uh, what's what's interesting there is because uh, a lot of languages um are very um different in their entire structure like for example a, a lot of the languages that people think of instinctually uh in a large part of the world are very closely related languages so say your english and uh, spanish and italian and to some extent maybe german so the they they seem and portuguese of course because portuguese and spanish are quite similar so when you look at these languages their structures their uh, root words that like all of that stuff seems very similar to each other so maybe it's not much of an issue but when you have some a language that is so completely different that evolved um completely isolated from these other languages uh maybe your like i i'm sure there are some videos online uh tom scott i think does uh or used to do a series on language um like different language quirks like different features of different languages that you have in um some languages versus some others like for example i don't remember which language but i remember he said there was one language where uh, there were no uh, cardinal directions like there was no east west 
नॉर्थ एंड साउथ इट वॉज ऑलवेज इन फ्रंट ऑफ यू बिहाइंड यू टू योर लेफ्ट एंड टू योर राइट और समथिंग लाइक दैट सो यू वुड हैव अ कम्प्लीटली डिफरेंट एक्सपीरियंस सो इट वुड बी वेरी डिफिकल्ट टू ट्रांसलेट दीज थिंग्स फ्रॉम वन लैंग्वेज टू अदर अनदर वेयर लाइक इन इन आर एग्जाम्पल जैपनीज एंड इंग्लिश आर सो डिफरेंट फ्रॉम ईच अदर दैट दे like it's difficult to get everything just right because of culture because of just the way people speak the way um, you know where the the translator also needs to uh, like make a call of um, whether the literal meaning is more important or the feeling is more important or um, say the word play is more important or you know like these kinds of things have to be considered and i think it's it's quite interesting and i would love to talk to someone who actually um, does a lot of like translations and things like that um and see what they think about it like i know one of my friends who did uh, translations for a ted conference that happened last year i think uh, i i might get in touch with her and see what she says she used to do translation i think from english to urdu uh, if i'm not wrong but uh, it, it might be interesting to learn from her what the things from translation are yeah i mean okay so speaking of languages which originate from like maybe one common language or from similar roots uh, of languages uh i i've been talking to some people recently and uh, i've been trying to learn words in different languages so it, it was a lot of fun and i met someone who was uh who, who spoke russian mm-hmm. and i have met people who who speak french and who speak dutch and spanish and other stuff and it's like these languages uh, they're, they're very different on many levels but i noticed a curiosity which i didn't really know about and i don't really uh, like it, it's it's a sound mm-hmm. that these languages one of the sounds that these languages have yeah which comes kind of from the throat mm-hmm. so it's it's basically um it, it was very interesting for me because as far as i know marathi uh sanskrit more or less um and hindi as well i think and i don't know many other languages that i've heard being spoken don't really have that a sound that you make when you're kind of clearing your throat or it's like a <clears throat> like a mm-hmm. it's a k- sound right so it's like a rough k but then the the curse sound that we have in marathi mm-hmm. comes very much from the mouth correct like a k a k it comes very much from the front mm-hmm. whereas this sound comes more from the throat and uh, it's really interesting to me because like it's pronounced differently Uh, in french like it sounds different so i'm guessing there's different parts of the throat being utilized to say that right. where compared to say a similar sound in spanish but none of them are k correct correct and it's really interesting because i i thought more or less like i i when when i grew up it's like a lot of times i heard different sounds and different things combinations of sound but like what i've heard was that marathi or sanskrit they comprise all the sounds that you can make so you know you have the sounds from your belly 
from your chest, from your throat, from your nose, from your mouth, like the different regions that you use to produce language. Right. So it was, it, it felt like an aberration to that rule. And that's why I'm so excited about it because it, I, I was always under the impression that like, like uh, the nuances present in Marathi cover the variety of sounds that a person can make. Mm-hmm. But no, they don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited because just like how some people are unable to roll their R's. Right. This is a sound that right. I am completely... <laughs> right. Right. And so it's, it's, this is a sound that I'm completely unable to make and mm-hmm. all my attempts at it might sound the same to me, mm-hmm. but they sound vastly different to a person whose ears are tuned to it. Correct, correct. And Makes sense. That's, that's like a really interesting observation that I, I had recently. So there's like three examples that come to mind. Um, one is um, very, very similar to the one that you mentioned right now from Russian, I think, which is the Kher sound. Um, and uh, I remember this very clearly. Um, like the sound is not Kher. It's, it's not Kher from your, uh, like from your mouth. It's it's much lower in Urdu, for example. So you don't say Khub Surat. You say Khub Surat. It's like from much lower in your um, like throat. So uh, this is right. also in uh, that movie also. It's in Luck by Chance also, where uh, they're like, it's not Khub Surat Khab. It's Khub Surat Khwab. And like those kinds of nuances. And uh, as well as, so that was one thing that came to my mind. Um, closer to the, uh, that is also the sound Ero. Ero uh, and Na, which are also very typically like Marathi, which are not found in uh, like English and other languages. This Ero and Na are like, they're also quite weird to make. They're not very, uh, you know, simple to make these sounds. But uh, they are like, they're, they're quite unique, which I really like. And also the sound of uh, fur versus per. Like, uh, um, so in Marathi, for example, you don't actually have the fur sound, the F sound, you have the PH sound. So you don't say farak, right. you say parak. And uh, which is also a nuance I remember our Marathi teacher telling us. Uh, though, I, I mean, colloquially, it doesn't make a lot of difference, but originally, I think it. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you do say fur. Not poor, right? Or was it originally poor, not poor? Yeah, it was supposed to because be. I, I've always been, I, I've always been under the impression that the poor is just like um, it's contextual, and you you have to decide if you pronounce it as fur sometimes or poor sometimes. No, it's not fur. It's poor. And in Hindi well, also, it's not full. I don't know. In my head. Ah, so, I mean, so maybe, it, maybe it in makes Marathi. Sense. In, maybe in Marathi, it's fur, but in Hindi and Urdu, is it's per Because you don't say fal, you say pal. That's yeah. true. So, it, That's so true. I, I think this is uh, this is not for Marathi so much. Maybe uh, for Urdu and no, Hindi. But you because I remember right. my teacher telling me this very clearly. That it's not fal, it's pal. It's not uh, farak, it's parak. And things like that. Okay. I think, however, you might also be right because if you look at the way the the structure of the consonants goes, mm-hmm. so you have p, p, b, b, m, and all of those are sounds you produce combining your lips. Yeah. Right. You have the p. So I'm guessing if it's in that family, then it's probably a sound that you produce. Yeah. Like, uh, 
not it's not a f- it's a p p p b b m correct and maybe you're right maybe you're right and i guess if anyone who's listening knows how it actually goes and if you if you have like a source for it please message email or send voice know, notes let us know yeah send voice notes because i'm really curious <laughs> about this and it's like i think i'll ask my grandma she she should probably know mm-hmm. i also remember uh, someone mentioning I, I, again like this is the thing with me i can't remember from where i have heard or read something in particular but i know there are particular sounds which are uh, which cannot be dem- so you know the the phonetic um, alphabets right uh, so you have uh, the the i think they're called phonemes if i'm not wrong Uh, I'm just going to quickly check that but you have these so whenever you read a dictionary or an encyclopedia so usually a lot of uh, times on um wikipedia as well you will see like proper pronunciation so you have these uh, the right. the a and e together to um that's a dip song yeah so oh wow so uh, that's like your uh, the sound that you get in a wikipedia like a like encyclopedia and encyclopedia yeah for any any of the perceptually distinct units of sound in a specified language that distinguish one word from another for example p b d and t um so i guess they're phonemes um yeah i guess yeah yeah they are they are they are so uh, anyway so my point is ki there are some uh, some like sounds in some languages that cannot be represented in those uh, phonemes at all like they cannot be you can't even show them in a dictionary how they are supposed to be made because they are so unique uh, which is which is quite interesting to uh, see that something that is supposed to be a way to describe or represent uh, something universally is still not universal because it still has its own biases and its own references and its its own etymology and things like that it's crazy and i mean i see this in uh, swedish as well mm-hmm. so i remember like we had like a very brief introduction to swedish class at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and uh, our teacher was trying to to tell us the difference between uh, so basically there's a sound which you get when you combine the alphabets t and j mm-hmm. and there is a different very similar but slightly different sound you get when you combine i think s and k it was uh-huh and i'm not sure if i'm saying this right and i'm probably will miss it but the way i think about it is that there similar to the the sh and the sh we have in marathi right right and they it's just that now imagine like now these are two variations right mm-hmm. from a similar sound but produced from different parts of your throat right now um imagine there being like four of these mm-hmm. different types of sound mm-hmm. but they all sound the same to someone who has no idea correct and they're hard to distinguish uh-huh. so the tj makes a different kind of sh the mm. the sk makes i think more like a huh sound it's where it's more more it has more breath in it uh-huh. and maybe i'm saying it wrong but it was again it's like a very small deviation that i really cannot it's it's imperceptible to me almost mm-hmm. and 
that makes all the difference uh, and it's like just how the languages have evolved like for example japanese doesn't have the l sound mm-hmm. or at least it doesn't have it very distinctly they mm-hmm. have a r uh-huh. so they they have the r sound but yeah it comes very close in pronunciation to l when it's said correctly i believe so okay. that is why a lot of words in japanese which are like um which are approximations of english words like for example um elevator is i think erebato mhm erabeta i guess i'm not sure but they have they have the r as a substitute for the l uh, uh, if if you and remember correctly uh, i'm sorry to interrupt uh, if you remember correctly from this episode of uh, lateral on youtube uh, they have this one thing where uh, the the japanese word for suits is sebero which mm-hmm. comes from savile row so it's, they don't have the l sound sebero yeah aha uh-huh, makes sense makes sense yeah. we're learning yeah and then it's like so i was talking to one of my friends who's spanish mm-hmm. uh, he has a more like so he pronounces things uh with say cerveza where mm-hmm. the the c is pronounced more as a th yeah whereas he he was telling me because he he has like family who comes from latin america uh-huh and he he was telling me the differences of how it's pronounced cerveza mm-hmm. over there and it's it's really interesting it's really cool to see all of those variations and how they differ and i don't know it just makes me feel super excited i remember we've talked about this uh, quirk in spanish uh, before um, because um, like i remember i think in school we used to talk about this especially in context with uh, enrique iglesias like uh, because he's spanish mm-hmm. he would say the the th sound versus the s which you would get from latin american uh, speakers so which is quite interesting and uh, also one small little fact check on something that i said phonemes are the sounds so there are 44 phonemes like these unique distinct units of sound uh, what i meant that there was no representation those are the ipas the international phonetic alphabets so those are the, the okay. those are your a and e and the e's with the things like that what what you see in uh, what you see to represent uh, these things are the ipas and the sound itself is called a phoneme so i just want to make sure that all of our five listeners um, get like proper facts i got confused because i thought i thought international phonetic alphabets were the the, the nato sounds alpha beta uh, charlie but uh, i i forgot what what are they called they're called nato phonetic alphabets i think it's the nato alphabet it's called the nato something alphabet for sure uh the nato phonetic alphabet that's what it's called amazing and there are alpha beta there bravo alpha bravo charlie delta uh echo foxtrot golf hotel I'll link in the show notes no golf hotel india i'm not reading this out i just know these by heart because i remember uh, one of my cousins is uh, like a pilot and when he was learning we used to do this back and forth because i i used to challenge him that i know all of these so we were at golf so golf hotel india uh, juliet um j ke baad kya aata hai k na um j k uh, kilo lima uh, micro um um uh, november oscar papa um q quebec 
रोमियो सियरा टैंगो यूनिफॉर्म विक्टर यू वी डब्ल्यू विस्की एक्सरे यांकी जुलू दॅट टुक लॉंगर दॅन आय एक्सपेक्ट आय हॅव बीन फॉलोइंग एन यू आर राईट ऑन आय थिंक ऑल ऑफ दम एक्सेप्ट एम विच वॉज माईक माईक ओ uh yeah 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 oh i remember why i got it wrong also because uh, i remember my uh, cousin again he was telling me about uh, the the call signs that they have to give when they're uh, like they're flying so they have to communicate to the 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 tower the communication tower oh shit i i see atc yeah uh, so when they have to communicate to the atc tower the, they have to tell uh, you, they have to tell them your flight name your tail number so uh, the the numbers that he used to tell me were uh, they had pmr uh, something something so it was papa micro mio so it was micro mm. mio but in my head it was like micro mio but anyway so weird um, tangent but yeah those are the I believe that is known as a humble brag okay cool then <laughs> moving on this kind of makes me think about like uh, the languages that are kind of dying out mm-hmm. or even the dead languages so recently i saw this youtube video i don't know why but just on a random walk in the youtube world mm-hmm. i found this um, video where a guy tries to guess which language is being spoken uh-huh i just listening to it and he is apparently a polyglot or at least he speaks a few languages uh-huh more than 3 or 4 so okay uh and in one of those uh like the, there's just different people who walk up to him he's blindfolded and they they say something in their language and he tries to guess mm-hmm. i remember feeling like I found another hole in like a bias or like in my understanding where it was a person uh okay I don't remember which language it was but it was a native american language okay and the hole in my understanding or whatever I I don't know what it was but I realized it was like whoa there's a whole world that we don't think about mm-hmm. of languages that are present say even just on the north american continent right i mean there's the obvious english spanish french mm-hmm. but there are languages which are native to that continent mm-hmm. and i i kind of was taken aback by how i don't know how wrong i was right. by just not not thinking about how many languages there are yeah and it's like when you think about the US it's like yeah you, the US is english mm-hmm. it's not it's yeah. really not yeah so it, it was really nice to find that i remember watching a video on uh, youtube um i can't find it right now i'll try to find it and put it in the description but uh, the, there was a video where there was there was there's a language where there's only one speaker and uh, there's more than one languages that have only like one speaker left which is quite weird because then like who are they speaking to but uh more <laughs> uh more importantly 
because they were the only one who spoke the language and they're like really old um and it, because the language is very different i think it was like a a language from a small tribe somewhere in asia um so because it's, it's so difficult to um like teach that language to someone else um it would it, like that language would die out with that last person which is quite weird to think of uh, you know entire languages and um i remember uh, like this entire thing of languages is very interesting because you, when you lose a language you also lose its entire um like history you lose all the etymology that you get from it like so if there are words that have uh, come to uh, our language from other um, languages and those languages have died out uh, we will never know that it comes from that language because that language has died out and you can't like cross reference that and also because um, a lot of uh, the the literature in that language goes away with it you can't read it anymore and it, it's all very um, weird and you know the the most famous um, like bit of translation that i think most people will recognize is the rosetta stone and uh, that's like a very uh, that reminds me of how a, a language that is dead can be sort of revived in some way if you have the right key if you have the 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 wait a way to translate it back but then uh, in that case i think it would be very weird to have like like for the rosetta stone i think they had three languages right they had the the egyptian yeah. hieroglyphs they had the ancient greek and they had one more i think sumerian script or something like that um but they they had which one it was they had uh, three scripts and uh, if we were to have those kinds of uh, scripts uh, it would be very difficult to have like these pairings of three and the amount of permutations and combinations that we would require to get uh, like something that would last forever uh is um like unthinkable and yeah at the same time like like the rosetta stone is a really good example but it it also is like a very lucky thing and mm-hmm. i mean so many so many facts of history remain kind of hinged upon this lucky discovery because uh-huh. i was i was watching uh, this one that talked about the indus valley civilization and how we right. don't we yet still have no idea how uh, what their language is how it is structured what it means exactly because Correct. there are no references mm-hmm. and i mean i guess i mean people are trying to build i guess the person i i was listening to was he was a person who was i think you building um like a machine learning model mm-hmm. to kind of teach itself the language and try to derive some kind of meaning but there have to be some markers to kind of go about it and he was talking about how incredibly difficult it is partly because we don't have enough uh, material but at right. the same time we have no reference correct and it's not really connected like say other mesopotamian languages which kind of evolved in the same region and would have had a very strong influence on each other correct this is i think it's also older i'm not sure about the dates but it is very isolated and so it was a very different difficult thing to 
just kind of interpret and yeah i mean we have the we have the archaeological digs from the indus valley civilization mm-hmm. but we don't really have an insight into the language right which is kind of almost half the picture uh, also do you remember uh, that time when you me and one of our friends went to uh, the, a cave uh, near lonavala Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, oh, yeah. there, there was uh, stuff. There was like there were um, things written down. Like there were inscriptions on some parts of it. And uh, I remember we were talking about like the the scripts of that time, and we were like, this is clearly not Sanskrit, but this could be Pali, which is the language of the people, and also closely associated with the the Buddhist, uh, you know, culture. Uh, given that those caves were also Buddhist caves. so yeah um, so for those of you who don't know this is from my understanding uh, at that time the way uh, a lot of europe had different languages the way latin was the language for the clergy and for you know the the rich and influential people uh, and not for the mere mortals <laughs> um, you had sanskrit in india for the the clergy and for the um, for the higher ups for the priests and you had pali which was the language for the regular people and uh, because of a lot of reasons we like pali is not something that survives to this date so it it cannot be uh, deciphered but apparently pali has uh, gone into and sort of given birth to a lot of the other languages of the subcontinent but uh, sanskrit has survived on its own and it is still spoken in some places and is still taught in schools so yeah that's the main distinction between those two languages so it, 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 the the parallel with latin and uh, other languages is something that i found interesting okay so another point of follow up mm-hmm. was that uh, i wanted to show you my library card and although me mentioning this on an audio only podcast makes zero sense i'm going to do it anyway so uh i wanted to show it to you because i just realized like most of the library cards that i've had across many years have been quite dull okay but this one is very much not dull and it's really nice and i'm just it's just kind of a cool card to have in your wallet So mm-hmm. with that preface I'm going to go get my library card and I'll show it to you. Uh-huh. So listeners while Mihir is gone to fetch his library card um I will look at all the stuff on my uh to-do list because I have a lot of work. Um I hope I cut it out because this is going to be quite dull. Cuz I have a lot of messages popping up and yeah, it's weird. But as we were talking about um Rosetta Stone in different languages, um I, as I was googling things, I realized that um the Rosetta Stone um is named after the town that it was discovered in in the Nile Delta and it the word rosetta is a very bad translation of um the word rashid 
which was the town's name actually so it's the rashid stone which is translated to rosetta stone which is i don't i don't know how you make the jump from rashid to rosetta it's a bit of a stretch and uh, the three languages that i uh, mentioned i'll just give a clarification on that so you had uh, three levels of text the top and middle texts are in ancient egyptian uh, the first one the top one used hieroglyphic uh, scripts and the second one used demotic script uh, and the third one was ancient greek and ancient greek was a language that had survived uh, that that still survives to a large extent so we still have ancient greeks so uh, the people of the people who worked under uh, napoleon i think uh, I, I forgot his name it was uh, jean francois champollion who um, was who headed the team that made the uh, the translation at the key for the translation and um, yeah uh, the demotic is the demotic that I mentioned is the ancient Egyptian script derived from northern forms uh, that were used in the Nile Delta, and uh, yeah, so in in Egyptian also there's uh, something that happens a lot with some uh, Asian languages like uh, uh, like I think Chinese has this. Uh, maybe Japanese does too. I'm, I'm not very well versed with these languages, but they have something very similar to Egyptian, um, where you have different words for the different characters themselves, and you also have meanings for the the words. So they have like two meanings and something like that. So yeah, Mihir is back. So we'll look at his library card. So I found my library card after some hunting, mm-hmm. but this is it. Hey, looks very nice. And it says Biblioteca, Bibliothekin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it's a very fancy orange. Mm-hmm. And I love that color. Black on orange looks really good. It looks wonderful. It's very Halloween, but for a, as far as library cards go, I have to say this is the coolest one I've ever had. Uh-huh. So, if... If any librarian is interested, I think uh, this is the way to go. This is my recommendation for all libraries that they just need to, you know, mix it up a little, make their cards more fun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't you have a doesn't mean much because don't you have a friend who uh, uh, who was learning librarian stuff like who's gonna become a librarian? Okay, so I feel like I want to say yes because there was a person I met like, I don't know, four or five years ago uh, who said she wanted to be a librarian, Hmm. but I don't really know whether she went through with it, so I have no idea. Okay, maybe she can be the first person you influence. Yes, so Bibliothek, at least Bibliotheken is, I guess, the, the, the Swedish word for... I think the bibliotheque is the Swedish word for um, library, and I think it's biblioteca in Spanish and mm-hmm. very similar. In Portuguese as well. But, and there is a fun rap at the end of one of the episodes from Community in season one where they rap about the location of the library. Mm-hmm. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I tried rapping that but we have cut it out because it was really bad. You don't have to mention what you cut out. That's the whole point of cutting things out. It's okay. It can be a hidden it it can be something that's hidden and uh someday they can no, find the, the uncut version of this podcast the, where they can the hear the point me of cutting rap. it out is <laughs> I think I think you're going to get a bad rap because of it. Ooh. No, but the point the point of cutting anything out is that you remove it from existence. You don't remove it from existence. It's that that's the point. You're just you're just denying access to it, which I feel like we shouldn't do so much. Like we should give them access to all our unfiltered thoughts. Uh which reminds me we've been recording for an hour and a half, so very unfiltered thoughts. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I feel like access to anyone's unfiltered thoughts is not really a good idea particularly because our unfiltered thoughts are just like monkey brain stuff mm-hmm. so i mean i don't think any good comes from unfiltered thought and this is unfiltered thought yeah which is precisely why we have things called editors which is why we have final cuts and which is why we don't publish the rough cut of a movie haha <laughs> but i am the editor so we'll see what what uh, makes the cut <laughs>